Lights, camera, action! From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxi, and this is ReSound. I believe sound is the, is the first human sense, not the eye. And it's a voice, and the rhythm of the voice determines the images. ReSound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sound, sound bites, and little audio movies we find all over the world. We listen to whatever we can get our ears on, then play you the best of what we hear each week. Movies depend so much on rhythm. If the sound and the rhythm of the sound is wrong, no image can can save it. How many times have you heard us wax on about what a visual medium radio is? How we paint pictures in your mind and stimulate your imagination? Well, now we put our money where our ears are. Because for the 2016 Short Docs Challenge, we teamed up with Manual Cinema, an amazing shadow puppet collective who created four gorgeous mini-movies to be the inspiration to all Short Docs radio makers, both professional and amateurs alike. On today's show, you're going to hear a good number of those cinematic stories, listen to interviews with some of their creators, and take a visit to Manual Cinema Studios, where they're preparing film interpretations of the four winners of the 2016 challenge. Stay with us. It's like live animation. It's like seeing an animated movie, but you get to see people run around and create it in front of you. Before we jump into this batch of cinema-inspired short docs, we want to make our own homage to the typical movie-going experience. How might we do that, you ask? Well, what comes before every star-studded summer blockbuster? You guessed it, the trailers. Now here's a little teaser of sorts from Third Coast Zone, Maya Goldberg-Safer. The chicken sandwich is so good. This is Maya. Did you get a little spicy for you, then? Ooh, yeah. Got a little spicy for me, Ooh. honestly. She just turned 26. That's one of the quirks of being friends with me. You signed an agreement. I never signed it. Shut up. She's got a part-time job. How much was your salad at a jar? $7. It's like my two loves, like healthy food and vending machines. Totally. And she's an amateur radio producer. Hello. Hi. Yes. Maya, it's Maya. I'm interviewing people about Grandma and Grandpa for their anniversary. Wait a second. Yeah. Would you mind going back and saying that all again? Okay. She's still friends with her ex. Uh, are you doing okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and she's even active on Tinder. J20, Jane, Matt, 25, University of Virginia, Trey, 29, Zach, 23, Stephen, 23, Tyler, 23, Sean, 24. Oh, my God. Oh, he's downtown for a bachelor party. Strippers wanted or just meet us out to party. I think I've seen this motherfucker on here before. But even though it sounds like she has everything together, things are about to change. Maya, where are you? I don't want to reach the voicemail of Maya Goldberg-Safer. I want to reach the real deal. 
because she's about to get kicked off her parents' health insurance. Oi, come on. This is your mother. This is the story of a woman. How often do you brush your teeth? <laughs> is this a serious question? Yeah, be honest. We are supposed to be talking about health insurance. Who needs to buy a bike helmet. Um, just like any bike shop. Literally any bike shop. And see a dentist. But if you don't go, then they can't tell you you have a cavity. That's true. <laughs> that is true. All before the month is over. Call me back. Bye. Maybe I forgot what my life was about. And the hardest thing that I've got to do. So wait, is this supposed to be a real movie? Oh, because I don't think I would go and see it at all. It sounds terrible. Maya Turns 26 was produced by Maya Goldberg-Safer. Now, let's get to the main attractions. As with every Third Coast Short Docs Challenge, there were a set of rules producers needed to follow when making their stories. The guidelines for 2016 were simple. First, as always, the entries needed to be two to three minutes in length. Each short doc needed to be set in two different locations, and they had to feature a piece of original music provided by Manual Cinema. Finally, the stories had to be inspired by one of four mini-movies provided by Manual Cinema, which fit into these cinematic genres. Rom-com, sci-fi, nature documentary, and film noir, the category that received the most entries this year. Let's listen to a darkly humorous piece of film noir followed by a lighter little rom-com about what else? Amore. Out of order. A man and his crime drama-induced phobia. I can't remember when it started. This fear. Sounds like an inside job. Are you with the government? Could be any toilet. In a restaurant in a bar, in college, work. I walk up to the door. I open it. And there's a body. Lengthways on the floor. That's not what the evidence is telling us. I check the cubicles. One by one. I, I don't feel comfortable until I can look inside and know that no one's in there. Huh? Dead, I mean. Only then I can relax. I never see a body. What, you don't recognize him with half his face blown off? I never find blood trickling from under a door. Just white. Seats, the basin, soap, mirror, my face. But it doesn't stop. It doesn't just go away. 
the next time I have to go through it all again. I did mention this to my therapist. This is a regular thing for you here. Oh yeah, we're here like three times a week. It was awkward, not going to lie. Toilets aren't something that come up naturally in conversation. Not even with your therapist. She just looked at me with those tiny, inquisitive eyes that never do anything to reassure me. Then nodded. That's all she does. Scribbles and nods. Scribbles and nods. Fucking useless. I don't know why I still go. And now I can't even excuse myself to go to the toilet when I'm there. Because I know what she's going to be thinking. Honestly. Just between you and I. I think I'm going out of my mind. Out of Order was produced by La Cosa Preciosa. Femena. And that is Andrea. My friend told me we met just like a scene straight out of a movie. But this was a movie I had never seen before. Italian boy meets American boy. Instantly they fall for each other and spend three days together. Then they go their separate ways, over 5,000 miles apart, wondering if they'll ever meet again. I traveled to Italy for work, and on my day off, walked into a health and wellness store. A lengthy, wavy-haired man greets me at the door. And when our eyes met for the first time, it's as if in a split second, a bolt of electricity traveled straight from my eyes into his own, captured all his DNA, and reflected back to me with the velocity of a turbo blaster, seen in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> In the following days we spent together, it did feel like a cheesy, yet irresistible rom-com. We crammed onto the top of a rock by the shore of the Mediterranean Sea, listening to the sway of the water while sipping limoncello. We went to the piazza during sunset, and I practiced my Italian stance, slight slump in my chair, my upper leg swaying leisurely crossed above my other, holding my espresso glass with only my thumb and index finger letting my pinky float like the wind. But then, I had to go. Reality burst my marinara-scented bubble before I stayed long enough to answer the most important questions. Is this connection for real? Did I just get too excited about all the pizza? Am I playing my own version of The Sims? Hi. Ciao. Ciao. You know, I'm just scared sometimes because if I have to come to you and I want to come to you, you're on the other side of the world. And if I have to invest in this thing, this beautiful thing, I want to be sure. You know, it's tricky too because I know that it's only been a couple months and it's very soon and quick. <laughs> but I know that at this point, you know, we need to go like day by day and trip by trip. <laughs> oh, I have um, something I wanted to tell you. Ti voglio sempre avere al mio fianco. I always want to have you by my side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know about my Italian though. <laughs>
Too Many Miles was an extremely cinematic work of audio, and we loved the way the producers used camera directions to move the listener throughout the story. We gave the producers, Stephanie and Jennifer, a call to talk about their winning short doc. Jennifer told us how the two of them got the idea to reinterpret Robert Frost's poem, Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. Well, it started with Stephanie um, suggesting that we collaborate on this project. And um, so I looked it over and I saw the different manual cinema pieces. Oh, you mean the mini movies? Man, I, and that particular piece just, it was the image of, of, that, of that poem for me. And I think what was really funny is there were so many limitations to this, um, to the short doc competition. And my first response to Stephanie was, Oh, let's add one more limitation. Let's um, let's respond to this Robert Frost poem. So we had even more limitations than we started with. Too Many Miles uh, is so cinematic. It seems like it's kind of a really beautiful marriage of sound and visual. One part of the cinematic aspect of it is the language that you guys use, the language of cameras, really. Can you tell me about that choice? We started off with a piece that Jennifer wrote that was a really beautiful prose poem that she read. And uh, so we did record that, but then I think I asked you to put the paper down. Yeah. I mean, the the initial, I think in our our initial discussion, we said, let's make this really cinematic. So of course, I even looked up some of that cinematic language. But then when I wrote the poem and I and I read it, it actually didn't capture that cinematic feel as much just reading it as a poem. Yeah. So I pretty much asked Jennifer just to describe the scene shot by shot and in the present tense, right? Yeah, it became like a shot list. It, I almost felt like Stephanie was the director and I was the camera. Like she was telling me what I was, you know, to describe to her what I was seeing as a camera. So it it became more cinematic once we opened it up to more collaboration, I think. Stephanie Rowden and Jennifer Metzger, producers of Too Many Miles, one of four winning short docs in 2016. Coming up after the break, giant squid, a mystery on a lake, and a visit to Manual Cinema. Stay with us. Welcome back to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. ReSound searches high and low to bring you audio stories that intrigue, inform, and inspire. This hour, we're listening to some of the top stories from our 2016 Short Docs Challenge when we ask anyone and everyone to submit a two to three minute radio story that follows a set of rules. For this challenge, we teamed up with Manual Cinema, a shadow puppetry collective here in Chicago, to create a challenge inspired by the movies. In 2016, the short docs needed to fit into one of four cinematic genres, film noir, rom-com, science fiction, and nature documentaries. Let's have a listen to two entries. The first, a nature documentary. The second, science fiction. Swimmers, a woman pieces together sonic memories and her sense of belonging through swimming. 
I grew up by the water, beside lakes and the ocean. Swimming in these waters was part of what I called home. But now I swim here, a four-lane fish tank full of bodies. But every time I get into the water and down under the surface, I am transformed. I'm transported back to the rocky shores of the lake where I learned how to swim. Back to the time I heard hidden underworlds of amphibian creatures swimming and gliding around just below the surface. I go back to when I had glimpses of the most majestic mammals of the sea. From orcas and sea lions, to the chatter of the sperm whale's coda, and the gorgeous calls of the humpback. These animals that may soon cease to exist. When I came here as a kid, I thought these shorelines belonged to me. But now that I've spent time away, away in big cities and pools, I realize that I'm just a small part of what was always a grander community. But waters keep rising and vanishing. And I keep swimming in these green chlorine pools, knowing that nothing is mine to keep, even home. Swimmers was produced by Michelle Macklem. Is it just me, or does she sound super fit? She's a computer system, you massive perv. Sorry, hello, darling. What's your name? My name is Noriko. Noriko. I am submarine port operating system. Uh-oh, we're a driver. <laughs> Don't crash the thing, love. What about another beer? Is that possible? Certainly, gentlemen. Kampai. Campaign! Oh God, Philip, I got all in my T-shirt. That's what she said. <laughs> Sorry, but we've paid for the giant squid tour. Yes. So when do we get to see a bloody giant squid? Here, here. We will enter feeding zone of giant squid in approximately one minute. Latin name: Architetus japonicus. Do you know what? Let's put some music on. Where's the music? Can I just push this button? Oh, here we go. No. <gasps> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's like German Japanese. Yeah, right.
female squid detected. Oh my god. Approaching craft. Philip, we're finally gonna bloody see a squid, a giant squid, a real one! 94 feet. The largest specimen on record. That's what she said! I did it again! Nailed it! Oh my god. Oh my god, oh my god that's Shit. amazing! Oh my god, love the size, I think. I advise you make very little sound. Look at that mouth. Oh my god, it's like something out of Alien, and we have totally got to get a selfie. <laughs> Don't be stupid. You heard Noriko. Just stay still oh, and be Andy, quiet. come on, you big pansy boy. Uh, Let's um, just take a selfie so we can send it to Jules. Ready? Oh, sorry, the flash was on. Look at those fucking suckers. They're the size of dinner plates. Noriko, the thing's grabbing the submarine. That's it. Do, no, my dick, my dick out. No. Oh, oh, get my dick out. No, get it's it. happening. Slamming it on the glass. Come on, baby. Fuck it, fuck it. Bye, Dora. Oh, no, I'm not fucking about it. It's just you. It's really easy. The Hadal Zone was produced by Peregrine Andrews and Jeff Marsh. The thing I love about the Hadal Zone is that the jerks in the submarine get their comeuppance in such a sonically rich way. One of the rules for the 2016 Short Docs Challenge was to take inspiration from one of the mini-movies Manual Cinema made for us. That's all well and good if you can see them, but what if you can't? Just describe it to me. Um, what is it like? Okay, so uh, it's an abstract work without any hint of representation. Okay, so what I see is mostly in shadow. Tell it's one-dimensional. Thin, spider-webbed veins of black. I guess it'd be two-dimensional because it's got some, some thickness. What is it like to live in a world that wasn't designed for you? It seems to expand indefinitely on either side of you. And it has like a deer in the snow. What is it like to be invisible? They all seem close to each other in color. Shadows. It's very simple. And they are all muted or dull. The silhouettes are too visible. Wherever we look, we are dazzled by a profusion of color. What is it like to be a characteristic? Yellows, white, orange, red, reds, a descriptor, blue, like an adjective, yellow. It is as if color. we are plunged into an eye-level crowd of purple, Ginger, blue, violet, Describe to me what it's like to be someone's good deed. The bold colors from a child's paint box. What is it like to live your life second-guessing yourself? A certain delicacy at work. Waves of color rise up. What is it like to be overlooked and undervalued when the absent outweighs the present? The red highlight begins with a loop like green and blue flames and travels left into another loop fanned by a wind. What is it like to be a synonym for ignorance? Drizzling to the left corner, a wave of motion. Lack of awareness in perception. 
Chaotic yet definite, it flows into a wide river of color, an aesthetic of process. What is it like? To be blind. I would love to describe it to you. Distilling the essence of something. What blindness is like, and more to the point, what it isn't like. How being blind has made my life better. I love you too. How it's given me so much more than it's taken away. For now we see through a glass darkly. The people that I would have never met. Lifetime of love, friendship, and sanctification. I'm so happy for you guys. But then face to face. The experiences and the perspectives that blindness has brought me. The beauty that blindness has brought me. Now I know in part. Our common humanity is uncertainty. But then shall I know even as I am known. I would love to describe these things to you, but some things just can't be seen and can't be described. What Is It Like was produced by Tree Mabry. As you might have guessed, the producer, Tree Mabry, is in fact blind. We were so impressed by the way he used visuals to his advantage, we gave him a call to find out more about his short doc. So you've sort of inverted the seeing person's world in the short doc, and I'm just wondering how you how this idea came to you. <laughs> yeah, well, so the um, the original idea for the piece was inspired by the short videos that uh, we were supposed to base the piece on, and you know, I I've wanted to uh, to do a short doc for a long time now, and so I knew this was going to be the, the first year I would try and do it. And when I saw that that was the the prompt that it was something really visual, I was you know, I was a little disappointed at first, to be honest. Um, and you know, it it is often the case that as a blind person, I'm the one having things described to me, and so I guess I just kind of wanted to to turn the tables, um, you know, and be the person who is, is pointing out that I have things that, uh, that I can, that I can describe as well. And so, you know, that was the original inspiration. You know, sighted people always talk about radio as being the medium of the imagination because there's no visuals to fill out the picture. How do you as a non-sighted person think about the medium? I think that when, as soon as you introduce a visual element to something, you're you're often sort of confined by the literal nature, the sort of immediacy of visual things. But as far as sort of telling a very um, nuanced story, I think that a lot of times the you know the visual sense gets in the way of that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I totally believe in radio as a medium, and I have uh, you know my whole life. Tree Mabry producer of What Is It Like? If you're wondering how someone gets a name like Tree, well, he decided at the age of 15 that he didn't like his given name, Michael. And when his mother asked him what he did want to be called, he said the first thing that came to mind, a tree. And it stuck. Be careful what you wish for. Welcome to the Ontario Park Service. Pour le service en français, veuillez comprendre.
Now, let's listen to another one of the winners from the 2016 Short Docs Challenge. This story examines people, privacy, peace and quiet, all set in a Canadian forest. There's this island near where I live. A deer calf. Male. I'm on an island and I'm camping. It was a mild winter and it's still early in the year. End of May. When the tides out a lot, like in a you know full moon or whatever, they say you can actually walk there because the tide goes out so far. Because it's all mud flats usually kind of leading out to there. It's usually just a little bit too deep. For many years, the old vixen has used this burrow to raise her young. This is likely to be her last litter. I managed to get to the island, and. And the tent was hot because I'd overslept. And you know how your tent gets so hot in the morning before you kind of like air it out? I wake up. It's early in the morning. The lake is very, very misty. And I turned over. And my phone was like right there beside me, which is weird. Because I remember putting it in my boot. So, um... I'd know where it was and it wouldn't get wet. I look over and I find my cell phone right beside me. When spring is no longer far away, the stag offer a curious spectacle. I I checked it because it's weird that it was there and... It's an old flip phone. It was like in the photo gallery. So I looked... I clicked on, like, the latest photos, and it was just photos of me sleeping. And I realized someone had taken pictures of me while sleeping on the island. In ultimate distress, the calf sounds an inaudible, invisible alarm. Its facial glands release a powerful scent, a silent scream. I start to panic and I pack up my stuff as fast as I can. I start to panic. I put out the fire. I start to run around in circles. I start to try to take down the tent, but I realize I'm not going to be able to take it down fast enough because I don't know who took those pictures. I don't know who's on this island, but I just keep going and I push the boat out into the water and I jump into the canoe and I just start paddling. And I go back, go back to land. Mother and child can breathe again. Deer Face at Deer Lake with Deer People was produced by the Deer Deer Face Collective. As we said earlier in the show, the four winners of this year's Short Docs Challenge will be adapted into shadow puppetry performances by Manual Cinema, our partner for this year's challenge. Third Coast's Sarah Geis and Dennis Funk stopped by their studios just as they were working on Deer Face on Deer Lake with Deer People. My name is Julia Miller, and I'm one of the co-artistic directors of Manual Cinema. We're in our studio in the Kimball Arts Center, which is 
filled with overhead projectors and lots of puppets. They they pile up. Um, I'm working on the the deer face at Deer Lake with deer people. <laughs> so I had started doing some storyboards the other day. Um, and then I was also using the storyboards to start making some puppets. So I started with, I have some trees here, some different sized tents that I'm playing with. <laughs> Each puppet is uh, just like a couple inches big. And then when you put it on the projector, it blows it up really large. But the puppets that we actually use are pretty tiny. So yeah, these trees are like the size of a pencil about. Um, so this is a silhouette cutter that we use to create puppets when we're not cutting them by hand. So sometimes we create puppets that are um, cut by X-Acto blades, but we also have this awesome machine that kind of acts like a printer. We can create a silhouette digitally on the computer, and then it takes the computer image and creates, um, prints the puppet basically. Yeah, I have the deer in three pieces because it's a jointed puppet. So I have the body here and then the neck and then also the head because um, the idea is this puppet the deer is eating and then can pop up. That was Julia Miller of Manual Cinema, the collective who's adapting this year's top short docs into a live shadow puppetry performance, which you can see for yourself this November here in Chicago. For tickets and more details, visit thirdcoastfestival.org. Coming up after the break, more short docs, including the 2016 People's Choice Award winner. Stay with us. Welcome back to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. ReSound is a repository of carefully curated audio stories from around the world. Today, we're listening to some of the top short docs from our 2016 challenge, inspired by the cinema. Next up, we're playing another one of our four winners. Here's a bit of sci-fi from British producer Jeff McQueen. Again. Yeah, okay. you're just gonna have to look at it, okay? Okay, okay, okay. Um, oh, fine, look, I'm just gonna have to go actually because Millie's just waking up and she's about to kick off, okay? So I'm sorry, darling, okay? I love you, alright? Bye, okay, okay. bye, bye. Oh, the sodding hatch again. It's the bane of my life. I hate going out there. What's this? We 
Hatch, was one of Third Coast's favorite short docs in 2016. The ending was so mysterious, and the sounds of the space station were so beautiful and realistic that we invited producer Jeff McQueen to tell us his secrets. It was purely born out of a an old idea that I had kicking about for a. Re, it was originally going to be a, a podcast that I was going to call Jeff in Space. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see from that why it never got made. Um, but uh, I'd, yeah, I'd sort. I had, and and this was all born because I had I had a sofa that died. I had this old kind of metallic tubular futon type sofa that that the legs fell off. Uh, a couple of years ago and as I was dismantling it it made some really nice metally ringing noises and so I, I, I ended up spending an afternoon uh, putting contact microphones and uh, other microphones inside it and recording kind of metally hollow uh, ringing noises which I then uh, played about with and slowed down and, and and sort of created sort of what felt to me like kind of spaceship atmos uh, and so I had them kicking about for a while and and so when when the when the science fiction thing was suggested uh, with the the manual cinema, uh, it felt like something I, I I could I could work from. So I just I just started making something, and it and it and it sort of evolved from there. Only a sound designer, or maybe a sound freak, would take the uh, occasion of a sofa breaking down and <laughs> turn it into a creative moment. Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah. It, I mean, the, the sofa was dead, so I had to get something from the experience. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, what are you excited about in terms of manual cinema's interpretation of Hatch? Oh gosh, the, the fact that that it's going to be made into something that will actually exist. <laughs> you, you know, because sort of uh, radio and audio is, is it's such a weird media to, to, to work in you know you, you sort of you sit in your room and you hunker over a computer and then you make this little sound thing and then it goes away and um, but for it actually to be uh turned into something physical uh that the people will sort of you know there'll be bums on seats looking at this thing it, it it blows my tiny little mind it really does and it's just bananas absolutely bananas and so exciting That was Jeff McQueen, who produced Hatch, one of the 2016 Short Doc winners. Next up, here's another film noir entry sent to us from Australia. Hard-boiled poet. This hard-boiled poet cracks another case wide open. I was watching a dying fly spinning on my desk and taking a shot of rye. Me, that is, not the fly. Some people use alcohol as a crutch. Me, I prefer it as a drink. I lived in a writer's block. It was on Narrative Drive, just off memory lane, near the information superhighway. I looked in the mirror and reflected. Then there was a knock and this girl at the door. She entered like a moving violation. All cold black lips and blood red eyes. Obviously dyslexic. She said, What do you do? I said, Me? I'm self-unemployed. She said she was a fortune teller. I said, In that case, I demand to see my eternity. She said, You look like a man with a big future behind you. 
I said, yeah. I wanted to work my way down the ladder. Quit when I got to the bottom. Go out on a low. But she was upwardly nubile. I came at me ooze and grievous bodily charm. I said, whoa, doll. I don't believe in sex on a first date. I believe in getting it out of the way long before that. By the way, my fee is 25 puns a day, plus expenses. More if I'm firing blank verse. So what's the case, dollface? Spill the beans. While I clean that up, she said her father, this professor, was in trouble. That afternoon, I found myself at the university, outside this door with a sign that read, Caution, Deconstruction in Progress. I entered to find the professor being whipped by a fat ball leprechaun in a jockey uniform. Something didn't add up, and it wasn't just my $2 Chinese calculator. Anyway, what's the problem, prof? Spill the beans. Well, he said I had to help him because his life was trying to kill him. He talked about how he'd spent his deformative years as an ambience driver, but that he'd been sacked for disturbing the local resonance. Well, turns out he had this fear of inventing new words. I said, how curious. What's his condition called? He said, I don't know. And maybe lexophobia. I said, lexophobia? It's not in this dictionary. You must be making it up. Well, he started screaming. There I go again. There I go again. Before jumping out the window and impaling himself on a gargoyle. One-way ticket to the eternity ward. The guy was an idiot anyway. But hey, I'm not throwing stones. Because you know what they say about people who live in glass houses. They're exhibitionists who attract perverts and get sunburned. Case closed. Hard Boiled Poet was produced by Regina Botros. For our feature presentation and final short doc of the hour, we opened up the polls here at Third Coast and allowed you, the listeners, to select your People's Choice Award winner. And you have spoken. Here's your 2016 favorite. I Dream of Rattlesnakes, a contemplation on the return of rattlesnakes to Massachusetts. I love snakes. There he is. I the garter snake. Black with a yellow stripe. Then after you hold it for a little bit, this one's a pretty big one. Calms down in your hands and coils around your fingers. I wish I'd been born a hundred years ago. I would have caught rattlesnakes. Timber rattlesnakes were once plentiful in Massachusetts. Now their numbers are dangerously low and can only be found in a few locations in the state. So I can only dream about seeing a rattlesnake when I go walking in the woods. My grandpa also dreamed of snakes. Can you tell me about grandpa and the rattlesnakes? One day I was gone for a short while and your grandpa was playing outside. And so a rattlesnake, he got a jar, and some way he got the snake into the jar, and he had a cage, so he put the snake into that cage. One day he came home from school, the snake was gone.
I've got his rattlesnake preserved under glass, a rattle he cut from a dead rattlesnake he found on the road, his snake bite kit. I've got those in my room near my bed. What was it like when rattlesnakes slithered around Massachusetts? I went looking for old articles in the Boston Public Library. And now there is a new story. You may have heard it. The state wants to create a rattlesnake habitat on Mount Zion Island, right smack in the middle of the Quabbin Reservoir. Some people want the snakes, others don't. This is just like Jurassic Park! They should release them in Cambridge! What's next? They're gonna get their own bathrooms? My name's Tom French, and I uh, work for the Massachusetts Division of Fisheries and Wildlife. So we work with rare turtles and eagles and timber rattlesnakes. Probably the best job in the state. So, Tom, where are you with the project right now? (laughs) That's kind of a good question. There's a lot of public concern, and the people that live around that area aren't so sure they're going to stay on the island, so they're not convinced yet. Are there any other places around here where there could be a den for the rattlesnake, like around the North Shore where I live? There probably were several hundred rattlesnake populations when the pilgrims arrived. The early settlers were, were pretty persistent in trying to kill off rattlesnakes. I know that one of the more recent ones that uh, disappeared only probably about 1950 or 1960 was up in the Lynn Woods. That's one town over from me. A lot of good rock outcrops. And so that's the question. Are there any like that on, on Cape Ann or the rest of the North Shore or not? And I don't know the answer to that. I'd better go do some more research. Sam, this is Grandma. I understand that you would like to have some rattlesnakes living near you. Ooh, that's frightening. I'll be fine, Grandma. I Dream of Rattlesnakes was produced by Sam, Bell, and Todd Wemmer. If you listen to our short doc show from 2015, you'll know that we interviewed Sam after he submitted one of our favorite entries from that challenge. Hello? Well, we checked in again this year to ask him... Also, my sister Annabelle is here. ...and Belle about their People's Choice Short Doc Award winner. So now I have to ask you to lay it out for me. How did you guys decide on this idea for the 2016 Short Ducks Challenge? Well, I've always loved snakes. And then everybody in our family, we have like a history of rattlesnakes, sort of, and then... What, what do you mean your, your, your family has a history of rattlesnakes? Yeah. My grandfather, when he was young, he would always catch rattlesnakes, like the story when he put one in a cage and he kept it. And then my great-grandfather um, would catch rattlesnakes or shoot them or and then so I have a rattle in my room a rattlesnake rattle and rattlesnake under glass got it got it um so did you find anything particularly difficult in trying to get your idea from your head to uh, a finished product well it was just trying to cram we had so many ideas from all these stories about rattlesnakes, and there were so many good pieces we wanted to put in, like about rattlesnake canning factories in Florida and all these weird stories about rattlesnakes. But we only had such a short amount of time that we couldn't put all that in. And so that was kind of hard, but then 
I think we ended up putting the right parts in. Cool. And what did you think when you first heard that you were a winner this year? I was really excited. I I just remember hearing the winning podcasts last year, and I was thinking, wow, wouldn't that be great? And then it was just surreal. Uh, Belle, is there anything you want to add? Uh, no, I don't have anything to add. All right. Thanks, Sam. Say hi to your dad for us. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye, Belle. Bye. That was Sam Wemmer, who co-produced I Dream of Rattlesnakes with his dad, Todd, and sister, Belle. Though they were all winners this year, his little sister reminded him that she was actually the first member of the family to submit a short doc to Third Coast. That was in 2013, when she was only seven years old. Can you say future executive producer? As we mentioned throughout the show, Third Coast is hosting a fantabulous event that you are not going to want to miss. Our partner in this year's Short Docs Challenge, Manual Cinema, creates theater experiences that are nothing short of astonishing. And they will be performing especially for you on November 10th. The show will be inspired by the four top short docs from this year's challenge, chosen from hundreds of incredible entries from around the world. Meet the producers, hear the stories behind their works, and watch the short docs come to life on stage and screen in an amazing feat of theater. The New York Times says that manual cinema conjures phantasms to die for. Grab a front row seat and see and hear it for yourself. For tickets and more information, go to thirdcoastfestival.org. And do not delay on this one because I don't want to watch you kick yourself. Again, tickets and more information, thirdcoastfestival.org. You've been listening to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. The program is produced by Dennis Funk and curated by Johanna Zorn and Sarah Geis of the Third Coast Festival. Isabel Vasquez is our production assistant. You can hear today's program at thirdcoastfestival.org, where you can also hear more than 2,000 outstanding documentaries from around the world and subscribe to our podcast. Support for ReSound comes from Emma, a web-based email marketing and communication service helping businesses and nonprofits manage their email campaigns and online surveys in style. More at myemma.com. The Third Coast International Audio Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Agadino Foundation, the Menaki Foundation, and the National Endowment for the Arts. The Third Coast Festival, now an independent arts organization, was originally founded at WBEZ Chicago. If you want to contact us, we would love to hear from you. Email us at resound at thirdcoastfestival.org. You can also connect with us through Facebook and Twitter. ReSound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else unless you live everywhere else. <laughs>